Hey everyone, it's Mike uh, with your morning call for uh, uh, Tuesday, uh, January 5th. So uh, futures were higher this morning when I woke up around quarter to six. Uh, and since then, we've kind of deteriorated with, um, you know, the S&P 500 right now indicated down about 30 basis points and the Q's down about 40. Uh, you know, we also kind of started the day off in Europe kind of flattish, uh, and now we're down uh, around 78 basis points on the DAX. Right now, kind of filling a gap around the 13,600 level, um, and we're also seeing uh, some, uh, you know, a flat trading session in in the UK today. Um, so uh, this kind of offsets what we were seeing in Asia last night because the Kospi, uh, I was watching it, and... Um, you know, it was actually having a fairly uh, weak session last night, and then uh, it's managed to um, kind of turn around and finish up one and a half percent. And a lot of Asia had a pretty strong trading session, so uh, not really sure why we're not seeing some of the selling pressure kind of materialize in Asia. Now, clearly, the U.S. has its potentially own political thing going on here with uh, the runoff today and um, uh, with the electoral vote tomorrow, which uh, seems to be also of interest, right? Um, neither one of them, uh, two, actually both of them present a lot of political risk um, in that, uh, you know, if the Democrats sweep the election tonight in Georgia, it potentially obviously creates a, a scenario where you could see higher taxes kind of work their way in. Uh, to the market, uh, into the system, right? And that would probably um, outweigh any sort of um, benefit that they, we may get from a stimulus deal. Uh, certainly, that would mean that equity valuations are even higher because that would likely mean that, um, you know, uh, earnings need to probably come down uh, because of that. Uh, and And then with the you know, uh, electoral college vote tomorrow. Uh, I mean, in theory, it should all go rather smoothly. Um, you know, I, but then you read things that, you know, that, um, but then you start reading different things and, uh, you know, there's this, this kind of viewpoint going around in some parts of the underground news world. Um, and I say this because I don't really believe anything I read half the time or I, I read stuff and I know that there's a bias behind it. So if you read some of the more conservative news websites um, and just the news is, uh, you know, started by this guy, John Solomon, who's actually a pretty good reporter who used to be on Fox and is still on Fox, I think, from time to time. I mean, obviously, he has a conservative bias, but he, he does good reporting, in my opinion. And um there's an article on their website talking about how, you know, uh, the Trump lawyer, Jenna Ellis, who's been one of the lead lawyers for Trump, suggested that Trump, uh, that Pence could, you know, uh, put off the, the certification process tomorrow um, if enough, you know, senators and House members object to it um, and kind of drag the process out even longer. And, and obviously, I have no insight into this, right? I'm just repeating what's reported. And and um, look, I don't know how that would play out. Obviously, the market probably wouldn't like a scenario like that. And that's why I'm bringing it up. So uh, you have two potential things that 
you know, and I and again, I hope that things just go normally tomorrow because I just want to get home with life already at this point. Um, and and I just want this coronavirus thing to be behind us already so we can all start having some sort of normal lives again. And um, the one thing I don't want in my life is more drama or more feeling of angst, right, or uncertainty. And I don't think the market wants that either. So, um, you know, this is kind of uh, the next two days could be a little volatile just because of that. Um, and tomorrow and today, obviously, we get the ISM manufacturing report. And, uh, you know, again, this is also potentially a market moving event. So, you know, we continue to kind of pay attention to all this different stuff because that's, you know, what we need to do, right? Um, whether you agree with it or not, I mean, it's still something that could potentially be market moving and that's mostly why we care about it. Um, so, you know, and, and this is probably why you're seeing a little bit of a spike in the VIX and such, but again, um, you know, the amount of economic data that's going to be coming out the next uh, day or two, uh, or this week rather, will be will be enough that we could see a, a general shift in market trend as well just on that. So we'll, we're just going to continue to watch all of this and take it in stride. And if that wasn't enough last night, um, uh, the Atlanta Fed uh, President Bostic, uh, you know, commented about how <coughs> um, you could potentially see the Fed start paring down its balance sheet pur purchases, not paring down the balance sheet, but slowing the pace of purchases towards the end of this year. And and again, this is just something, you know, that perhaps, you know, it's going to give the market something to think about um, should we continue, start seeing the economy, you know, kind of stabilize after the, the vaccines start getting rolled out. So, um, again, just another something uh to kind of put on the radar and, and, and that could potentially be a headwind for the market going into this year. Um, so again, right now I continue to kind of see, you know, the S&P 500, uh, again, I, I continue to think we're in a downward, a downward wave, uh, from here. Uh, we, you know, we got up to, it took a little longer to develop than I thought it would, uh, probably by a week or two. But um, and we probably went a little bit higher than I expected. But again, I don't really care if we overshoot uh, our target and still move lower. Right. Because at the end of the day, we're still getting the direction right, which is what we care most about. Um, and, uh, you know, basically right now we have the uh, like I said, the S&P 500 minis trading around thirty six eighty. The level that we need to watch today is thirty six sixty five. That was the level where the futures stopped falling yesterday, which uh, equates to around um, 3663 in the cash market. It happens to be the same level. I don't know how exactly that worked out, but um, well, actually, the futures traded lower, um, uh, 3652. But when you look at the chart, you can kind of see what I'm referring to, which is that the futures kind of had a more there was kind of like a blip lower, not really like a, um, a really a, a prolonged move lower. That's why I'm using 36.65 in the futures. And, you know, if you want to equate that more specifically to the S&P, um, it would be somewhere around, again, 36.65. Um, so uh, that's just how I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It just happens to be the same. Uh, and at this point, 
again, I still tend to think that there's a potential for the S&P 500 to move towards 3550 over the the very short term, meaning less than the next over the next month or so. Um, the Qs are also weaker today. Again, uh, resistance there is around 305 and a half. I've updated all the spreadsheets. Um, now we are in a negative gamma territory, and uh, that does suggest that market makers will be uh, still looking to short futures uh, to stay delta to stay gamma neutral. Um, and uh, and so that's going to be another little headwind that continues to weigh on the market. And uh, we're continuing to still drift lower with the Qs down about 60 basis points now. Um, also, I wanted to point out a couple of news items uh, in terms of stocks. Uh, so last night, um, I'm sorry, this, Mike Ryan will be reporting results on January 7th. We had Citigroup raise its price target to 100 from 35 and went from sell to buy, which is a pretty big move. Uh, there, that's helping to lift the stock today. Um, you know, th this stock, you got to go back to the year 2000 to start finding resistance levels. Amazingly, 20 years later, it still hasn't taken out its old highs. Uh, so 78 and a half is the next big level of resistance if we can get through um, the, the, the current level of uh, resistance around uh um, well, I'm sorry, 78.30 is the next big level of resistance uh, based off of where we traded yesterday. Uh, also, we have DocuSign today. Its price target was increased to 300 from 225. Uh, again, I don't know what these guys are looking at and coming up with these numbers. These are all. This is already a very expensive stock. Uh, the market's already pricing in about a 94% five-year growth rate in earnings for this company. Uh at, at its current valuation. Um, again, this is not a cheap stock on any multiple or metric. So I don't really see what's so special about DocuSign. I mean, Adobe does the same exact thing, basically. You can do signatures and such through Adobe that you can do through DocuSign just as easily. So again, I don't think DocuSign does anything so special. And every time the stock gets to 245, that seems to be where it, it craps out. Um, next, we have uh, CEO of Qualcomm, Steve Malenkoff, is stepping down, uh, and he'll be replaced as of June 30th by Cristiano Aman. Uh, again, I don't really know that this changes anything over the short to medium term. Longer term, it may have an impact, especially if the new CEO comes in with potentially a different vision or a different path. Uh, Needham today comes out and defends FUBU, noting that the big decline was due to the expiration of the lockup date. It's like, no crap, it's down that much. And and this is the same analyst that on December 22nd raised their price target to 60 from 30 going into the lockup expiration date, helping to push the shares higher. So uh, I, I don't really know what their deal is over at Needham. They were part of the selling group, meaning they were on the deal. Uh, so I don't know how they made that call when they did, but they did. So I'll just leave it at that. And um, Finally, I'm just going to point out that DuPont, I've been seeing a lot of strange option activity taking place in this thing, particularly in the February expiration date around the $100 strike prices, 100 to 105. <coughs> um, and what's so strange about it is this is a stock that's trading in the 70s, yet they're selling the 105 puts and buying the 105 calls. Now, that implies that they're taking in a huge amount of premium, but... It also means that if this stock isn't above 105 by February, they're gonna owe they're gonna owe a lot of money, um, and so I don't 
I'm not really sure what these guys know that nobody else seems to know because if everyone knew what they knew, the stock would be trading over 105 today, it sounds like. And clearly, it, it means that they likely know something, I, I guess. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what else it implies because I don't know why someone would be doing all – I mean if you look at the – the, the chart I include, there's 125,000 open contracts at the 95, 56,000 open contracts at the 100, and 180,000 open contracts at the $105 strike price. I, I, I And I, again, this is kind of split evenly between puts and calls. And then you go back and you start looking at the, the, the data, you can see that the puts have been mostly getting sold and the calls have been mostly getting bought. And the puts are being sold for like $30 and the calls are being bought for like 30 cents. I, I So I don't understand what's going on there, but there's clearly something happening in DuPont. And uh, it's worth probably further investigation. So I'm going to try to spend a little time on this to see if I can't figure it out. Um, but uh, again, just strange action in a stock that, uh, I mean, I it's just strange. I mean, it's just really strange. So um, clearly if the stock breaks out above 74, it has room to rise to around 82. Um, so I'll just continue to keep an eye on it. And I just thought I'd bring it to your attention. Uh, otherwise, have a great morning and um, I'll see you later. Bye.